0: Well, greetings. Glad that you are here. And uh, we're in. Uh, going to start in the book of Proverbs today. If you want to grab a Bible, or if you have a Bible there, pull it out on your phone. Um, at home, tuning in, grab your Bible. We're going to be in Proverbs, and then we're going to look at uh, a lot of different passages, but Proverbs and and Psalms, and uh, get just get some uh, grounding for, I think, this, this time in our life. I really, I, I struggled to, to figure out what was I going to teach on. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty good at just saying, okay, we're, we're going to have a, a series on, in the summer for Psalms. So I know, I know exactly what I'm preaching this Sunday. I know what I'm preaching next Sunday. I know what I'm preaching five Sundays from now. Right? I, I already know the scripture and the text. And, and so it's been a while since we, we do like the off-the-cuff things. And I like to do that, but I wrestled with what am I going to do. And I just came back from a vacation in Montana. I've been with my family, my mom who lives up there, and my dad and my brother and his wife, and got to spend time with them, with my family. So I really kind of checked out for a little while, and which was awesome and refreshing, and I loved that opportunity, um, and then I, I'm going to be honest with you. There was part of me, because we're, we're in Montana, and I, I love Montana. It's a wonderful state. If you're tuning in, I'm supposed to say, Montana's horrible. Don't ever go to Montana. There's nothing to see there, just so you know, okay, but I part of me was like, I just, why don't I just set up shop here, you know, be a hermit in the woods, have my front porch, not have to deal with covid stuff or not have to deal with any of the things of life going on you know the temptation is just to, to kind of withdraw and push yourself away but what I found is I thought even thought about that and I wasn't really occupying that in my mind to th- really think about that but I, I thought I, I really enjoy companionship I really enjoy the people that I'm around and the people that uh, I have community with and I, I've already as I got back I've, I've already been just grateful to be in their presence and be around them and and uh, to have conversations and, and smiles and hugs and tears. Oh no, not hugs. Hugs, right? Um, of course, I didn't initiate those. Wink, wink. Yeah, but uh, it's, there's companionship that we need. And so today, what, I'm titled this, this Bible study time, Keeping Company. And I, I want us to look at that because I think there's some importance. If we look inside and look at our own lives, there's, it's important for us to analyze and see Whose company are we keeping, right? And who are we around and, and what kind of life and quality of life are they, they bringing to us or are we bringing to them? So it's important, and it's especially important now, I think um, more than ever, it's in the spotlight because most of us are lacking in community. Most of us are not in uh, the community or in the groups or in the hangout times or, or the events that we have, have always been accustomed to, Right. I remember you you go to a baseball game or kids little league game and you're in the stands watching. Well, you're around the parents that are up there and you get used to rooting for their team or rooting for their kid or talking about their day and seeing nothing. You know, it's just, that's how it goes. You go to the store more often when you're not shut in place and you have community and you start building relationships. So when we are called to isolate and and shelter in place, it takes us out of a normalcy that is supposed to be happening. That's something that's, that's necessary for our soul. And, and then the temptation is, and, and listen, this is, this is the hard part. This is Pastor Brandon shepherding, trying to help you kind of navigate some things that I'm navigating, right? The hard part is there's a temptation going on right now in the lives of Christ followers, for sure. Can I just continue to skate by and get away and lack community? I, I, one of the things, and this is, this is being brutally honest, at least in this Bible study time, and who knows who's going to watch, I, I, I almost think that sometimes as a shepherd, we, or elders, we give you a pass. We give sheep pass, right? And we give ourselves passes. Oh, that so-and-so, I haven't seen so-and-so for a long time. Well, they must be kind of nervous. We understand that. They, should, they, they probably want to stay home and not, you know, not contract COVID and not, you know. And, and that could very well be the case. But more often than not, what I'm finding right now in this season, at the end of July 2020, When I just say hi, and I see somebody face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball again, in the community, it's, man, I really should get back to church. No reason I'm not there, just uh, other things are coming up. And see, the temptation is to prioritize a different type of community, a different type of company, a different type of companionship. And that is a temptation that comes straight from Satan. Now, it's good to prioritize friendships and, and companionship but what company are we keeping that's really important for us to look at? So we're going to look at that today. I'll pray for us. We're going to ask some questions today and get your opinion and your thoughts on some things. And uh, we'll go through a bunch of different scripture texts. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us tonight, God, to come here and to, to sing praises to you, to offer our worship to you. God, we, we owe that to you. And God, it is the overflow of a heart of hearts that are joyfully filled by the Redeemer. May we seek you as that Redeemer. May we find our ultimate satisfaction in you and in the life you've called us to live and who you've called us to live that with. God, as we look to your word, we pray that you would guide us there, convince us of truth, convict us of sin, conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And We pray it in his name. Amen. All right, so let me ask the opening question here. What defines companionship? What defines companionship? Or what makes someone a companion? Go ahead. What? Companionship. What defines companionship? Okay, the same interests. Good. Let's build on that. Let's keep going. Okay, respect for one another. In what way, Doug? Right, we can converse and go back and forth, okay? And maybe that respect is even what you're saying, we can be honest. We, I can share my thoughts, my heart, and, and you, it's safe to do that, okay? Verena, did you say something? Spreading Jesus in God's word? Spreading Jesus in God's word? Yeah, maybe like-minded unity and Jesus, we'll say that, yeah? Good, what else? What else makes someone a companion? What? Say again? Love. Love. What kind of love? Sure. Right. So there's a, there's a deep care and concern, right? There's a, it, we would call it in the Bible a a self-sacrificial love, a agape love for them, like Jesus had for us. It's not that's not to be confused with the love that's like I really love how they like me so much, or I really love that I just feel spoiled around them. Right, that's not the kind of love we're talking about. This kind of love is more of an enduring, thick and thin, lifetime kind of love. Yeah, yeah, that that's great for a companionship, right? Yeah, and we're not even. We talk about companion. We think, oh, my companion, my spouse, right? But it's not necess- not necessarily that. We just want companionship. It's it's a a, a compa- com- compatriot, right? Someone that's a friend. What else? Spending time together. Yeah, time involvement right investment sacrifice that means right they're they're there for you you're there for them you do things together right those are important things going in the same yeah I think going that's good going in the same direction that's really important and these are these are like at the at the core of companionship these are awesome awesome definitions um, we want some kind of a connection right an attachment we want some kind of like mindedness and unity that we share in those things. We want a safe place. We want, it. we want not only in that safe place, I would say more, uh, more than that, even, even added to that, we want that safe place to be able to share back and forth, but also that, that place to say, please let me know if, know if I'm being a bonehead. right? Please let me know if I'm wrong. Please let me know if you see something in my life that just shouldn't be there. But we, we tend to, as humans, with selfish desires for our own comfort and protection in some ways, we tend to want acceptance most. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? We want to be accepted. So of all of those definitions that we've just drawn out, which are supremely important in companionship and probably the most important thing you could see, we tend to take something like acceptance and we put it at the very top first. And when we do that, we do not we aren't typically the right kind of friend. Because we're not necessarily uh, loving in all situations. We're not necessarily going to be iron sharpening iron and give instruction or correction there. there there's things that are going to be lacking. We're just trying to fit in, go with the flow, and not ruffle feathers, right? So that's, that's really a, and, and doing that is a detriment to a, a, a solid, strong relationship with somebody. Right, a companion-like relationship. So we're going to look at this, this kind of desire, this flow of companionship and what, what we should be pursuing. Because right now, uh, I, there's all kinds of things we could be pursuing for companionship. Right, As In COVID and being sh- sheltered in place and avoiding large groups, maybe you've been avoiding coming back to church or getting back in your small group or, or even in just having dinner or, or sharing community with someone in your church family, right? Those people that are that are like-minded and want to help you and want to encourage you. Uh, maybe it's because you're you're sinful in some way or you're ashamed in some way. Right. There's a point we need to move forward and say, you know what, I need to pursue those things that we define as companionship most deeply. And and today we're gonna look at why. So we're gonna we we'll look at it a little harder. So Proverbs 13, if you would turn there in your Bible, Proverbs 13, and we're gonna look at verse 20 together. A, a wonderful book, by the way. I I've scoured I scoured most of Proverbs uh, today, yesterday looking through these passages about wisdom, right, about relationships. This one says in in verse 20, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Amazing verse. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, one of the interesting things about this, this verse, some people misquote it, they say someone who walks with the wise will be, will be wise, and someone who uh, is a companion of fools will become a fool. That's not what this says, though, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you are a fool. Maybe it might have been a little foolish to go that direction, but it doesn't mean you'll become a fool. But in the company of bad people, of people who don't care about wisdom, about doing what is right, you are likely to suffer harm. It, it's a, you go back to being a teenager, you know, or excuses teenagers use. Mom and Dad, I'm I'm going to go to the party, but I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do anything foolish there, but I'm going to go to the party. And what ends up happening? Well, oftentimes they suffer harm. I'm going to go to the party. Well, they were in a car accident or they were in the middle of the woods and got burned. Who knows what happened, right? There's consequences there. There's things that happen because people are foolish. And if we're the companion of fools, we will suffer harm. Uh, With this passage, we see a promise and we see a warning. We see a promise and a warning. The promise is the one who walks with the wise will become wise. Now, that walk is intentional. That's deliberate. And we're going to see that later as we go through some text. That we are to deliberately walk towards gaining wisdom. Walk towards wise people. Walk towards wise counsel. Walk towards the word of God in order for us to be wise. The warning is, but if you're going to be a companion of fools, if you're going to keep the wrong kind of company and not walk towards the wise company, You and I will suffer harm. So if we see that verse, here's my next question. Why would anyone become a companion of fools? Given the fact that we've defined this as something amazing, profound, deep, rich, why would anyone become a companion of fools? Why do we have to even warn against that? It could be your family. It could be your family. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 have a a family that you're you're just a part of, right? You you can't usually get out of that. You can't pick your family, right? Yeah. That's that is that's probably one of those almost really tough places that that is an exception and it would, would be the light in a dark place, maybe right? But it's it could be very tough. <clears throat> are there times? Are there times we have to remove ourselves from family? Absolutely. Right. Well, Jesus says that the gospel. The message of the cross, what divides mother from daughter, right? Father from son, brothers, sister. I mean, it divides families. So there's there's importance there too. There's a, a wisdom in saying I'm I'm not I cannot be around this, right? But why does someone become a companion of a fool? Looks like fun. It looks like fun. Yeah, there's some kind of joy there, pleasure going on. I'm going to join in. They're happy. What else? You may not think they're Okay, you may not think they're fools, right? Sure. Maybe you don't even have a clue what that their activity is foolish. Okay? So that's a reason someone might become a companion of fools. I feel like we're on Family Feud, right? The top what are the top five answers, right? Surveys. What what else? Why else would someone become a companion of a fool? I had a coworker one time, and we had a lot in common, except not Christianity. But- mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It happens before you know it. You might have a, a common interest. And see, that's part of a companionship, right? You're compatible in some way. But, but at a deeper level, you're not, right? But what happens is this. At some deeper level, the deepest levels where we should have some kind of conviction, some kind of stance, we compromise that conviction because we want to be accepted instead. And then we become the companion of fools, and we will eventually suffer harm. Think about this for not only a, just a friendship. Think about so many people who may enter dating relationships like that, right? Or, or business partnerships like that. Hey, we, we're passionate about the same thing. We like the same stuff. Let's go for it. Let's, let's partner in business together. Let's partner in marriage together, right? And, and then you come to find out when it gets to the deeper issues, the things that really matter that actually were convictions of yours, well, are we going to give our, any of our money to church? how would we do that? Oh, that's what I usually do. If we're not doing that. That'd be stupid to give to it. Right? I mean, deeper, are, are we going to raise our children in a Christian faith? Are we going to teach them Bible stories and read scripture to them and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved? Well, that's not a priority of mine. Are we going to go together to a, a place of worship and commit to that time to brothers and sisters in Christ? No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to stay home and watch football or, or so, or whatever it is, right? The opposite is true. So we start at some level of compatibility, but we compromise a conviction, and then we move forward with a company of fools. How many marriages are so torn apart because of that? You start strong, like, this is going to be great, and then you're totally off on priorities after that, where your money goes, what you do with your children, what you do with your time, what you, all of that. It's all different, right? How you, how you love and serve, all of those things aren't going to work together. So that's that's becoming the companion of a fool. But typically what we do, we we enter into that relationship as a companion of fool because we've compromised a conviction in some way. Let me read two more verses. Proverbs chapter 11, and go back a page there. Proverbs 11, verse three. Another one that has the promise and the warning here. Verse three of chapter 11 says, the integrity of the upright guides them. It's a promise. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. There's the warning. And, and it's, we look at that verse and say, well, yeah, integrity. I'm going to do what's right. I want to stand on principle and morals and conviction. That's great. And that will guide them. That will guide you. But then we look at the next verse and say, well, the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. It's not even that. It's, we, we, say, we see perversity and we're like, oh, well, that's not me. I'm not perverse in what I do. Well, it is. When we, when we enter into a place of selfishness and, and my own desire is what's most important, that is the perversity that we're talking about. That's what that's what equates to sin. That leads us to sin and to folly and to, into that foolishness and, and to be companions with fools. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Go, go back to 13 real quick. So we have this war. There's the integrity we can have in our heart, and then there's perversity. So there's war going on over our heart. And we typically try to... We, what we want is that war to subside and for us to enter into this place of, of real just satisfaction and comfort and peace right we want to have no confrontation there and just kind of go with the flow that's where we're, that's what our heart is looking for but what our heart is really looking for is to be fully satisfied and for us matt prayed this earlier that that going to jesus and his yoke is easy and his burden is light and when we go to him and lay our burdens down we find rest for our souls there's rest for our souls there in the hands and arms of jesus and, and by following his word right and being a companion of the wise and in, in the company of the wise so it's not, it's not about going towards my own selfish desires just for comfort. It's about getting over me, abandoning me, and going running towards Jesus for, for total rest. So there's this war going on in the heart. And in that war, their pride comes up in me. And in verse 10 of chapter 13, it says this. Arrogance, right, that pride, leads to nothing but what? Strife or trouble, right? So think about this. That pride and arrogance that says, I'm just going to go with the flow for my own comfort. We're seeking comfort. What does it lead to? Strife. The very opposite of the thing we're actually seeking. What company are we keeping? Go on, though. It says, the arrogance leads to nothing but strife, but wisdom. Here's that word again. Wisdom, right? Want to be in the company of the wise or walk with the wise. Wisdom is gained by those who take advice by those who take device. Wisdom, first of all, that, that idea of wisdom, it's like, what is the wisest thing? I want to be a, in the company of someone that is wise. Proverbs thirteen twenty: the one who walks with, right, this deliberate walking with the wise will become wise. So we have to walk with the wise. Wisdom is gained. It's something to gain. It's something to grow in. It's something to walk Towards, So we have this restlessness in our heart, and it's not about compromising our convictions. It's about being deliberate in the movement towards wisdom, towards conviction, and towards truth, and there finding rest and not strife. What does it feel like to follow wise advice? What does it feel like for you to follow wise advice? Again, this is a time, think about this, there was a war going on in you, You didn't know what to do. You probably had some ideas of what you wanted to do. But you sought wise counsel. You walked towards the wise. You gained wisdom. They gave you wise advice. You followed that advice. What does it feel like to follow wise advice? What do you think? What are the words we can use here? Relieved. Relieved, Relieved, right? Relieved. I did the right thing thing relieved I don't have to worry about this anymore I don't have to wrestle with this anymore I mean obviously things will come up and but we followed wise counsel and we find what 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 how do you feel how do you feel when you follow wise counsel when you get good advice at peace yeah at peace like that I can just rest it's like a load off your, your heart and your shoulders. This burden has been lifted, right? And it's so awesome to have been in companionship with someone who is pointing us towards wisdom and not folly. You see, you see this? The scripture is, it sets it up for, for someone who has faith in Christ. The wisdom of, and counsel of the Word and the wisdom of counsel of God's people is something that's to bring rest and restoration and relief. And, and lift burdens. And that's where we must run. We must walk with the wise, run to them. We want to, wisdom is to be gained as we take advice from folks. So yeah, when it feels, what it feels like to follow advice, it feels great. It feels great. And it's, it's almost like I didn't have to make that decision on my own, right? I, I, I didn't have to make the bad decision on my own. I could, I could wrestle with that. I think one of the greatest things for, for someone to have in their life is a critic. And not just someone that's going to be a critic, be critical, but someone who is going to help critique decisions in life, help guide and give advice. That's not their job. You don't give them the permission to every, every instance of every moment of life. You're going to just tell me what to do. But it's that person when I can sit in front of them and I can say, hey, listen, I've, I've got to lay this out. It's going to be safe. We talked about it earlier. There's a companionship there. We can, we can share our heart, share our opinion. It's going to be safe. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gain some, some kind of perspective or some kind of advice. And, and you know what? There's, there's all kinds of times. You've probably experienced this. You've, you've wrestled with something in your mind, and you went to someone that was wise counsel, and you had a thought in, in your mind of how this should go down, but you weren't totally settled on it yet, and you went to this person, and they totally said the exact same thing that you thought. Like, oh, that's what I thought I should do. I, I just needed someone to confirm that, right? Someone to support that decision, to get my back, and show me some scripture to back that up. Good. That sounds good. I'm going for it. But I, I don't know about you, more often than not for me, I might make one of those decisions and I go to somebody and I, I have a thought in my mind. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I think the actual opposite of that, right? I think that that might not be the wisest way to go or to deal. Uh, why don't you do this instead? And it's, it's so refreshing to be able to get a different perspective, to, to get out of my own mind to get out of my own head, to get out of that own wrestling match where that war is waging in my heart between integrity or perversity, between truth or between pride and selfishness. And and I want to trust the truth of God's word and and, and the truth that comes from God's people. If we seek companionship, why do we tend to compromise our convictions? Right? Because we want acceptance. We We think that's where we said earlier, that's where it's going to Lead to peace, but it's really not right. It's going to lead to strife. We saw that earlier, too. How does the company that we choose, how does the company that we choose to keep, determine the direction and quality of our lives? How does the the, the how does the quality of the company we choose to keep determine the direction and the quality of our lives? This is essentially what our first verse, Proverbs thirteen twenty said. Walk with the wise, become wise. A companion of fools will suffer harm. So how does the company we choose to keep determine the direction and quality of our lives? What are your thoughts? Or why? Why does the company we choose to keep direct the, quali- or direct the quality and direction of our lives? Because scripture, so. scripture says so, right? But we see that, don't we? Don't we see the example of that everywhere we go? It's it's more than just the Bible says so, right? It's that I see it there and there and there and there, right? You hang out with with the wise, you're gonna be wise. You hang out with the fools, something bad's gonna go down. We just see it all over our world. But we keep on repeating the same mistakes, don't we? Because I want to be accepted. That is not companionship. Companionship is a place that you go to find truth, to find joy, to find strength, to find accountability, and to find ultimately rest and peace in Jesus alone. Not in just going with the flow, but standing on convictions. Uh, There is a solid and settled foundation in following and seeking God's word with others. There is a solid and settled foundation in following and seeking God's word with others, and that's what we really want. We want to find that oh, that rest for our souls that Jesus promises, and He promises that, and it's it's there and available through the right type of companionship. Psalm one nineteen. We're going to turn to Psalms chapter one nineteen. We're going to be there, and then then go to Psalm one. <clears throat> Psalm 119 is right in the middle of the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Oh, Matt, you're right, 176 verses in Psalm 119. But it's a lot, and it has a lot to do with the Word of God and the truth of God's Word. Uh, here's what Psalm 119, verse 63, look at verse 63, here's what it says. I am a friend to all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts. The psalmist figured this out. They said, you know what, I'm going to be a friend, a companion to those who fear God. It's not their own agenda, it's not their own ego, it's not their own pride. They have come humbly, repentantly before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the universe. They fear, honor, and respect him. So I am going to be a friend of people who fear you, God, to those who keep your precepts. To those who look to the Word of God as they fear God reverently and humbly, they go to the Word of God for direction, for instruction, and that they, they follow it, they keep God's precepts. The psalmist writes, that's the kind of friend to have. That's the kind of friendship to grow in. Now listen, during this time of shelter in place, isolation, scattered priorities among us all, we all have them. It is so imperative to continue to have friends who fear God and who follow God's commands. And that is why God has brought us together as the church, as his saints together in unity, to to devote ourselves to one another, to encourage one another, to edify one another. It's so important right now more than ever to keep the right company And, and more than that to seek the right company because we have been pushed into our little clusters of homes or family units and groups, right? And and kept there isolated. It is so important to to seek that companionship. Moreover, not only is it important for us to be influenced by good companionship, it is important for us to be those friends that someone else can seek, and I would tell you this, that if, if, you, if you remember the days when we actually had church together and we filled this place and, and we were bustling with laughter and excitement, and, the, and you remember the faces of the people around you, and maybe particularly in the section that you sat because your name's on that, that pew. By the way, it's not anymore. We erased all those and scattered the pews around. right? I can tell you we have chairs in here. You wouldn't even know the difference, right? But the point is this. You know some people in your area. Maybe they are seeking companionship and they don't know they can call you. Give them a call reach out to them. Maybe they aren't ready because they're maybe they're an, an older comorbidity. Comorbid, they don't want to to get coronavirus. They're just keeping themselves at home. But they would love a phone call. They'd love a conversation on the phone. We have a ministry through our church right now going on where we have, I think, a half a dozen, maybe eight people who are calling our seniors. Anyone I think that's 60 years old or over, they're, they're being called every single week by somebody in our church. Or maybe it's 65. I don't know. But that's, that's what's one of the things that's happening. But it would be so important for you and I just to do that naturally, the people we know and miss and want to see and want to encourage in some way. I want to be a friend to those who fear God and, and to those who keep your precepts. Let's go to Psalm 1. I want to see the progression because, you know, it's not usually every morning that we'd wake up and we say, Today, I want to keep company with fools. Today, I want to do something extremely foolish. I mean, some people do, right? But t- that's not typically where we go in our minds. That's not typically where we go when we get up. We, we desire to be above reproach. We desire to be above board. We desire to be honoring to God and be in community with His people. But it's a slippery slope, and I want us to see this here um, in Psalm chapter 1. Now, I preached on this two, three years ago when we first started the Psalms in the summer. Uh, you can check that out. I think it's on our, um, our webpage uh, for audio. Uh, but let's, let's look at this Psalm together, the whole thing. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Now let's, let's take this apart and tear it apart for just a couple minutes, and I want us to see a few things. First of all, verse 1, how happy it's almost like the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, like happy are, blessed are the meek, right? We see those things that Jesus says. But the psalmist says, how happy are those who, who do not walk in the advice of the wicked? So, but it's, it's a redundant thing. I want you to notice this. It's not just, you're going to be happy. You'll have a smile on your face. It's like, how overjoyed, how very happy. It's like a, how very, very happy you will be if. Well, if what? Here's a slippery slope. If you don't do these things, We walk in the advice of the wicked, we stand in the pathway with sinners, or we sit in the company of mockers. I want you to think about this as a progression. The walk, we start with the walk. It goes from walking, then to what? You walk and then you what? You stop and you stand. And then once you have walked and stopped and stood, you eventually what? You eventually will sit down. You'll plant your butt somewhere. This is the progression. So what does it mean? What, what is the psalmist saying about this? Well, to walk, it means this: that it's it's about the decisions we make, that we made a decision to turn, we fixed our eyes on something, and we went forward towards it. We started walking in that direction. Those are decisions we make every day when we go out the front door. Those could be decisions we make on the way to the refrigerator. What decisions are we making as we walk? And then we walk for a bit, and we have to understand that, that as we walk, it's such a great place for God to be like pushing us this way or pushing us that way. God is going to be about the business of convicting us, of reminding us of the presence of the Holy Spirit, of, of driving us to a different place. I love how Pastor Stan always put it when he preached this. He said he talked about um, God right, directing us. He says it's really hard to steer a car if it's standing still. So, so get moving and let God steer you. That happens, right? We should make good decisions based on Scripture and walk towards wise things. But even if we were a little bit off on our sights, as we walk, we still have that time that we can change course and go somewhere else. But if we don't, or if we do, either way, we will find ourselves standing somewhere. We will find ourselves arriving somewhere. So when we stand, what we're doing is we come here and we say, this is the commitment I'm making. This is the place I'm going to to be. I'm going to check it out for a little bit longer. This is the company I'm going to keep. I've arrived at my destination. I may not have, you know, boarded the plane or or, or got off the plane yet and, and gone, got home, but I'm, I'm here and I'm planting here for a minute. And then it goes to sit. So we, we walk towards, we stop, we're in the company. And then we say, you know what? It's like a puppy, right? Or a dog. What's a dog do? They walk to their bed, they stand for a second, and then what do they do? They turn around, they turn around in like three circles, and then they what? They sit. They plant themselves. Like, that's my spot. And that's what it says. The attitude of the soul says that. I'm going to walk towards that. I'm going to stand amongst it. I'm going to be in this company, and then I'm going to plant myself there. I've made my decision. Now, that's important for us to understand the progress of our own hearts and our own souls because those three things are true with sin, but they're just as true with obedience to God. They're true with walking towards bad company and keeping bad company, but they're just as true as walking towards good company and good companionship. I said right now, right now more than ever, as you and I are in this position to to move towards companionship in some way, to find value in some way, we have to make that decision. It says, you know what? I am going to prioritize walking towards God, towards God's word, and towards God's people. And I'm going to walk there. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to be in their midst and be with that company. And I am going to plant myself there because that is where I will find strength. That's where I'll find companionship. That's where I'll find spiritual growth. That's where I'll find healing if I need it. That is where I need to be. So we need to plant ourselves there. He goes on in the psalm, right, and it says, you're going to be like a tree planted beside streams of flowing water that bears fruit in its season. Basically, this this psalm is saying, uh, it's the plural, and it emphasizes the abundant overflowing supply from a source that refreshes, revives, sustains, and renews. This is an abundant source that will yield fruit in every season. That's rest. That's joy. That's the peace that we should have producing a fruit that only can come from God. The rest of that verse goes on, though. He says, the wicked are not like this. You think about this. We want to have convictions, but we tend to not stand in those convictions, and we we end up sitting somewhere we should have never sat. What happens? Well, it says this. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, look at what happens. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment. If we make those decisions to go towards folly, towards foolishness, towards sin, to walk towards it, to stand in the company of it, and to sit there and plant ourselves there, we will not be able to stand on anything firm. There's no firm footing there. And there's and then there's there's nothing we can say when it comes down to <clears throat> how's your heart? How's your obedience? How's how, what's the sin like in your life? It's going to be fully exposed and we'll have nothing to stand up on, nor the sinners in this in the assembly of the righteous. Have you ever been in church <clears throat> in a time in your life, a season in your life where you were there around Christian people who, who you knew were good people, not just any fakers, right? But good people hearing the word of God. <clears throat> and, and you just felt like sh- you were squirming in your seat. You were like, I shouldn't be here. Everyone's looking at me. I just, this is horrible, right? <clears throat> Why? Because when we have made a wrong choice, we have a past of sin, we have this rebellion in our heart, we come even in God's house with God's people. With that rebellion, we will not have anything to stand up on. We will be like chaff blown back and forth and sinners in the assembly of the righteous. It doesn't work. We should walk, stand, and sit towards God, towards God's word, towards God's people and seek that company. Why does bad company Leave us unsettled. Why does bad company leave us unsettled? Of the Holy it, it, yeah, there could be there could be cr- the conviction of the Holy Spirit in in some Christ followers. But you think about the the flow. We we wanted we wanted to go be accepted. So when we're in that bad company, they really don't know us. We don't really approve totally of them. And now we're in this cat and mouse game of, will they find out? Will they push me away? Will I lose companionship? Which really isn't companionship at all, how we've defined it and how scriptures defined it, right? That's why we're unsettled. You might run towards that and have, be a companion of fools, but in your heart, you were unsettled. When you go to sleep at night and you lay your head on the pillow, you can't fool yourself. And you won't be able to fool them for very long either. Those who are firmly planted are those who are instructed by and delight in the instruction of the Lord. <clears throat> I want to go to James chapter one. We have just a few minutes. Man, that goes fast. This midweek teaching thing is no joke. James chapter one. So what do we do, right? We want to move towards wisdom. We want to move towards truth. We want to move towards conviction and then move towards companionship. What do we do? James one, five through eight says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives it to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. We have to go and walk in faith, trusting in God. Now listen, we do that because we know we've trusted in Christ as our redemption, that Christ has paid it all for us, and that, that he has accomplished our salvation, that our righteousness is not our own. So when we need wisdom, we go to God who gives it generously, and we trust in faith in the same way we trust in the Son. We trust in faith that the Father will give us wisdom. If we aren't walking towards Him in faith, we are walking in folly, and we are just like the chaff, blown about, and we are double-minded in all of our ways. But again, I want to read that, read that verse again, reiterate that Psalm 119. I'm a friend to all who fear God, to those who keep your precepts. There is a movement, a deliberate movement we must make with our heart, our mind, our soul, our body towards God, towards God's Word and towards God's people. Second oh, Timothy chapter 2. Verse 22, it says, flee from youthful passions and pursue. There's, there's activity here. We were walking towards youthful passions, selfishness, whatever pride it was. And, and the Bible says, flee that, turn around and run away. That's that repentance. Flee, and it says, uh, flee youthful passions and pursue. There's the deliberateness. I'm going to pursue and walk in a different way. Pursue what? Pursue righteousness, pursue faith. Love and peace. That sounds like companionship almost. Maybe it is. Let's see. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So run away from those youthful desires. Run away from the wanting to be accepted and run towards Christ. Run towards freedom in Christ, in righteousness, in faith, in love and peace. And do it along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That is where we're going to find rest for our souls. So this is that companionship, right? We do that. We run, pursue. And maybe—and that's the thing right now. A lot of the excuses that I hear is like, we're reading our Bible right now. We're just taking taking a break. We're, we're trying to navigate this crazy COVID thing. And maybe they're upset about, I don't know, a mask. Or they're upset about um, the government or, or the, the cure or not the cure or a vaccine. I don't, I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons out there. But for, for you and I, we are to flee Satan, flee the passions of our youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Not by ourselves. We're to pursue it in, in companionship, in company, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I'm going to read two more passages of Scripture, and then we'll wrap it up because it's about that time. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's a, it's kind of a, a verse. It's a verse we re, we use in our, our class one on one discovering first Baptist. It's kind of a go to verse. This is important for the church, the life of the church. What should they do? It says in Acts two forty two that they that is the church devoted themselves to. That's companionship, right? They 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 devoted themselves to all of them. Devoted themselves to each other to the apostles' teaching, right? They submitted themselves to God's word, to the fellowship. That's that's the community to being with one another in community, like minded community. To the breaking of bread, that's that's celebrating the Lord's Supper, His death and His, His His resurrection, right? But it's also breaking bread in our homes together, being together in community and and having that like-mindedness there, that companionship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They did that together. They devoted themselves in that companionship, that deep companion companionship together. So let me let me just give you the last verse here. And this is not a guilt trip. Conviction should always come from the Word of God, right? We should always feel some kind of conviction from God's Spirit and from God's Word. This is not to say, I can't believe people aren't prioritizing church. That's not what this is. What I have come to conclude in my own heart is a deep necessity proven by the Word of God that I need God's people in my life, and God's people need me in theirs. There is companionship needed. And that's why the author of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse 24, we'll wrap it up in 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. This is a, this is a good provocation. Provoke each other towards love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. I think there's times in all of our lives, all of our lives, where we have got into the habit of not meeting together, of not moving towards godly companionship. And it is such a necessity. We have to go there. So come to Bible study. Be together. Be in homes together. Schedule a lunch date with, with somebody that you need to talk with and, and, and grow with. Come back on Sunday if you're able and be a part of the fellowship, the family of God. It's so important. Now, just a couple more minutes. Questions, questions about companionship, relationships, comments, additions. Anything at all? Verena. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, Jesus, Jesus still needs to be Lord, right? No, no, no outside circumstances, no preoccupation in our mind with being scared or nervous about what's going on in our society. We should have a healthy understanding, but it's hard to even come by that right now. But we do know that God is sovereign; that God reigns and rules, and we can trust in Him. So, any other thoughts or comments? Yeah, um, Linda. I have people come into my life, whether let's say it's a coworker or through certain circumstances, right. non-believers, but they have a lot of times tend to have very foul mouths. Sure.
1: That's good.
0: Sure, sure. That's a great question. Let me. I'll speak to that. Let's just wrap it up with that question. I think it's awesome. Uh, The question was basically: if we're in the world and we're around maybe a coworker or somebody that we're in in proximity to, and they aren't a believer, and they have maybe a real foul mouth, right? Or, Or there's something that they're doing that just irks us and irritates and, and maybe even to the point of where it starts to rub off on us, right? And we start to, to think that way or maybe say those things. What do we do, right? Well, that's a great question. Here's what I would say. I would say that, that we are looking for, and a lot of tonight's Bible study was really about us putting ourselves in a position to have solid companionship. But the flip is true, and I mentioned it briefly. There's a little part of this that we mentioned. It didn't go into great detail. We are still to be people of influence, right and what we have to identify in our walk cuz <clears throat> it will change from season to season as we navigate this life we will kind of run into a line that when we cross that line we are no longer able to be a person of influence but now we are being influenced by other persons now when that line is crossed hopefully we're in the company of good companionship of christ followers who will influence influence us and point us towards jesus but if we get into a place where we're in a in bad company and that bad company is now influencing me, we have to do, I'd say, one of a couple things. One is have a frank conversation. Say, listen, I, I am so happy to work with you and be here. I just need you to know your, your language is really, it's, I'm struggling with that. And I'm not trying to judge you or anything. I don't expect any different. Because really, when what we, what we talk about the unbeliever, do we expect them to be anything but an unbeliever? Not at all. I, don't ex- I expect unbelievers to be exactly as they are. But sometimes it's like, you're in my, the desk next door. I need you to kind of, can you tone it down, please? And most workplaces will have a policy of some sort there to protect employees in those, in those, from those environments. So there's a conversation to have, right, with that. Or it's, it's a matter of moving yourself to a different position, to a different place, and, and withdrawing from that. <clears throat> that's the hard part, right? And that's, that's where the gospel divides. When we start to want to renew our hearts and our minds and move towards Jesus, there has to be a point where we sever the ties and the tentacles that would reach in and grab us in our life, that we can't, we can't be there anymore. Think about a recovering alcoholic, right? I should not go into a bar if I'm a recovering alcoholic. It's probably not a good idea for me to put myself in that temptation. Someone's recovering from a porn addiction, right? Probably shouldn't have their own private computer and their own private space. They need to have that out in the open and, and make sure everyone knows that, hey, I, help me, right? So those, those areas of our life that we know that we're gonna struggle, we need to, we need to set up boundaries and guardrails there. Us not to go in that place. But at the same time, how will unbelievers ever hear and know about the Lord Jesus if we don't go into the world and proclaim the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you and I, as believers, do not have unbelieving friends, we are likely living in sin or disobedience from the great commission that God has given us to go into the world and make disciples. We want to have relationships. We want to love our neighbors towards Jesus Christ. But find that balance of can I continue to be a person of influence and or am I being influenced too greatly and that will change as we grow in our faith in Christ as well that answer the question yeah. good well thanks for hanging in there guys let's uh, let's pray and we'll dismiss father thanks so much uh, for just the the grandeur of your word God we thank you for the, the the way you know us so well and God although we we crave acceptance we crave really a rest for our souls more and God we know that that comfort, will only come from convictions found in Scripture, from following the Word of God, from running towards you and running towards those who would be companions in the faith and who would love us, who would help discipline, who would correct us but would edify us. So help us to run towards and find companionship in the the right places. God, that we would walk with the wise and become wise. And, God, we would not suffer harm as we become companions of fools. We trust you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good night, guys.